If you could, I, um, I want to read a scripture and then I'm going to ask you to, to, uh, to stand with me as we pray. But let me read this scripture to you. It's in Hebrews 12. And here's what it says. It says, And the Lord's voice shook the earth then, but now he is promising yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. And this expression yet once more denotes the removing of things which can be shaken as of created things so that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. And listen right here. It says, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I just want to take a moment and pray and thank God that we receive and are part of a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Regardless of what's happening in the world, in the earth, regardless of who gets elected in eight days and what happens with our government, and no matter what, we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken. We are, we are of another dimension, if you will, in the spirit. And so I want, but I do want to take a moment and pray because it says we are in the world but not of the world. And so there is a point where you want to be engaged, you want to be aware. If not, I might as well just go be a hermit and live in the mountains somewhere and just disconnect from everything and everyone. God has us here for a reason, to have impact. And I believe wholeheartedly in Lance Walnow's message of, of the mandate to influence culture and to influence these mountains of influence, which include schools and government and media and all of these things that each one of us are called to have an influence in some of these mountains. And I think one of the biggest mountains that's being shaken right now is the, the mountain of government. And I, I want to pray just for wisdom for our leaders and pray a reassurance over ourselves that we are of a kingdom that cannot be shaken no matter what happens in this earth. So would you stand with me for a moment as we pray? Father God, as your word says, we come to you to show gratitude to offer reverence and awe that we are of a kingdom that cannot be shaken, that you bought us with an amazing price, that we can be in this world but not of this world, that no matter what is going on, no matter what the news says, no matter who gets elected into office, that we can have assurance and faith and confidence that we have a destination far superior, far superior than what's going on here in a kingdom which is stable and will not be shaking in the midst of all the shaking that goes around us. We have stability and assurance because we are seated upon you, the rock. And so, Father, right now, we do pray for America. We pray for our land. We pray for the government. God, we pray that you would use your spirit to influence, to touch lives, to touch people in Congress and senators. And we ask, Lord, that you would be glorified in the midst of everything going on. We ask, Father, that you would help us to keep right perspective. That you would help us to stay engaged with our communities with America, but stay engaged with love and compassion and carrying the good news that in the midst of all the shaking that's taking place, there is a stability of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Father, I pray an assurance to come over us that we would set our eyes and fix our gaze upon you, Lord, as we walk through this, this season and all the things that are coming in the, the coming months. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right. Well, I am excited to 
be back and finish up um, this series on uh, being made whole and being made well. So we're going to be talking about uh, salvation, the, the whole package of what the gospel and what salvation is. The exciting thing is about the gospel, about the good news, is it's much more than just uh, getting a stamp to go to heaven. It's much more than dragging yourself along through life so that you can finally rest and, uh, and be at ease there. There's a place of peace that you can find and that you can have an impact and an influence and be made whole and be made well right now as a believer and as a Christian, the promise of God is that you can reign even as a king reigns over your life, over your situation, over your circumstances. And you say, well, that doesn't sound like it could be true, or maybe that sounds like the prosperity gospel. So we'll read it here in Romans 5.17. It says, if by the transgression of one, that one is Adam, Adam sinned, and so we were all born into sin, and we had the curse of Adam on us. So because of that, death reigned through the one. Much more would those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So I looked up that word reign and I said, I, in, in the Greek to want to know what it means because it sounds exciting. And it says reign as a king reigns. It's a kingly reign. There's a reason that... Uh, the epistles say that we are kings and priests. So that is your identity. Once you are a Christian, it's awesome. You are a friend of God, yes, but we are also children of God, but we are also kings and priests of the gospel and that we are seated in heavenly places with Jesus. That we actually have the same righteousness, the same grace, the same blessing that Jesus had as he walked the earth is what we have. So that's Good news, that's why the gospel is called good news, because it's beyond just going to heaven. It's that right now, in this very moment, each and every one of us can begin to get a mindset shift that will cause us to reign in life over our circumstances, over our situations, over health, over our finances, over our workplaces, and carry the good news that there is an unshakable kingdom that we have access to and that we're walking in. Are you guys with me? That's exciting. Yes. All right. Good news. All right. So that word salvation or to be saved, we covered a few weeks ago, means sozo in the Greek, which means to be whole, spirit, soul, and body. In Thessalonians, it says, may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit, soul, and body. You're a three-part being, and every one of these parts can be touched by the gospel, by salvation, by the good news. John said, there we go. Nope, not that John. The other John. It's actually the same John, but it's a different letter he wrote, all right? So John wrote in 3 John, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers, all right? Beloved, I pray that you would prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Now, for those of you who don't know, your soul is basically, in, in the simplest terms, your mind, your will, and your emotions, all right? So your thought life, 
your, your emotions, which as we know, sometimes go haywire, all right? Your mind, your will, which sometimes doesn't always necessarily line up with the will of God. If you make choices, we are free people and have freedom to make choices, to agree with God and do the will of God or to not and follow what our soul is telling us to do. So most of the time when we become Christians, what happens is we get saved, our spirit gets illuminated, the Holy Spirit comes into us, we are filled with the Holy Spirit, our spirit is renewed, and our soul needs to catch up with where our spirit is, where we are seated in heavenly places. Sometimes throughout the week, I don't feel like I'm seated in heavenly places. Sometimes I feel like I'm seated in the depths of hell because life is hard and it is tough and my feelings are telling me all sorts of things to feel and to think and to say, but yet at the same time, in the same reality, it says that I am seated in heavenly places, that I'm a child of God. So there's this tension, this rub that happens. And what we're going to try to do is how can we catch up our souls, our minds, our will, and our emotions to the reality of who we really are as Christians. My biggest question when I became a Christian was, when I, if I'm getting saved and the whole point is to go to heaven, then why don't I just get beamed up like Star Trek the moment I pray the prayer and then all of a sudden everything is good and okay and I'm in heaven? And the answer is because it's not about going to heaven, it's about bringing heaven and it's about starting to connect with the world around us and live the fullness of the gospel here and now while we're on a journey to completion of getting to heaven. Make sense? All right. So the message today is, do you want to be made well or made whole? Right now, your spirit man or spirit woman is 100% whole and complete. You have all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in you right now which is all love, all joy, all peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control is in you right now. How many would agree that not always do you feel the most gentle or have the most self-control throughout life? All right, I see a hand in the back. Thank you for being honest. All right, the rest of you, pray for me at the end of the meeting, all right? What happens is, that sometimes we get sidetracked, sometimes there's internal things going on that left unchecked tend to rule and reign rather than the spirit ruling and reigning. In Romans 8, it says the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace, but the mind controlled by the flesh is death. And so there's a place where your mind can be ruled by and controlled by and led by Holy Spirit rather than how you're feeling, how your emotions are, who annoyed you, who rubbed you the wrong way, who offended you, all of those things typically for myself end up ruling and reigning when the reality is there's a place to live where Holy Spirit can rule and reign and that is life and peace. So if you're in a place in life where you do not feel abundance of life and you do not feel at peace, then the process of elimination would say Holy Spirit is not ruling and reigning. The mind ruled by the Spirit is life and peace. So if there's an area of our lives that we don't feel life, which is joy, which is abundance, which is excitement, or you don't feel peace, then it should be a time to take a step back and take an internal check and say, 
what is ruling my mind or ruling this area of my life that I don't feel life and peace? So, do you want to be made well? And that's the question Jesus is asking, has asked me over this journey that I've been on over the past couple months and is asking us. So where do we get that question from? Got to learn which way to swipe. All right, so John 5, this is awesome, okay? Here, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. This is called the, there, there was a pool that an angel would come and touch and stir the waters, and all the people would be gathered around, sitting there, waiting there, and when you would see the, like a little whirlpool start, everyone would try to jump in, and the people who got in the water, God would heal, all right? So, one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him a funny question to me, do you want to get well? And I feel like the guy would kind of look at him like, look like, are you kidding me? I'm hanging out by the pool. It's been 38 years. I, I, of course I want to be well. Why would Jesus ask him that question? Do you want to get well? So rather than the guy saying, of course, absolutely, what do I have to do to be well? Here's what he says. Sir, the invalid replies, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. Oh, I'm trying to get in. Someone gets down ahead of me. Oh. And Jesus says to him, it's okay. I understand. It's been 38 years. Let me, let me wallow in your sorrow and pity with you. <laughs> no. No, he says, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once, the man was cured, and he picked up his mat, and he walked. So what happens most of the time when the question comes to our heart and our spirit, do we want to be whole inside and out? Do we want to be made well? But what about, but you have no idea what I've been through. You don't know what's happened to me. My family's a wreck. I grew up in a messed up home. I don't have this. I don't have that. And we constantly make ourselves a whole lot of reasons why we can't be made well. And Jesus is just asking, do you want it? Do you want to be made well? So I'm going to give us a couple of tools that I think help us answer that question properly. When I'm talking about being well and being made whole in this context, how many of you know there's an internal life that is going on? I think of it like a movie player that's playing inside of every one of us. And I've heard it said like this, there's, there's who you think you are, there's who other people think you are, and then over here is who you actually are, okay? We all have a perception of who we think we are, and most of the time we think we're pretty great. And um, we don't ever, we rarely see our own blind spots. We rarely do a self-assessment evaluation. Usually we're running a mile a minute and we have no time. Then there's per this perception over here that people have of us. And sometimes if you ask people honestly, or sometimes you hear and you're like, I'm not like that. We immediately get defense. That's not me. Of course that's not you. You wouldn't, you don't see sometimes what other people see of your perception yourself. Then over here, is the real you, the internal life that's going on, this movie player that's playing all the time. On average, it's, uh, studies show we have 10,000 thoughts a day, okay? Things flooding into your mind, and that is the stuff that we're looking to address to be made whole. Jesus came for an inside job, and when he heals us from the inside out, all of a sudden, wholeness starts to happen in our emotions, in the way that we treat people, in the way that we can love people. 
You know, the, the second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself. And when you start to learn how to love yourself and how we start to learn that what's going on inside of me is, is awesome, it's amazing, the thoughts I'm having, the freedom I'm living in, you begin to get excited and fall in love with who God's made you to be, and then you can start to love other people. So there's a message going around the world right now about revival in America and a great awakening and a great shaking that's going to happen in America. And I was thinking while I was driving in my car that what if... Right here in St. Charles, just like what happened in Acts and Peter, 3,000 people got saved in one day. What would happen? First off, we would need a lot more chairs in here, uh, and we would need a lot of people to start discipling and explain to people. Imagine 3,000 people who have no idea about the gospel, no idea who Jesus is, no idea how to live the kingdom life, don't know how to pray, they've never read a Bible, they're from other cultures, maybe they're of different religions and backgrounds and ethnicities, and 3,000 people are hungry and have been touched by an experience with God. What do we do? Certainly, I don't think Jeremy and Diane are going to have 3,000 people over at their home, <laughs> though their heart would be to do it. I don't think it's going to happen, okay? <laughs> there would just be meal after meal, one person after another, all right? What's, what's going to happen if revival is going to take place? It has to start in us and with us, and we need to be healthy and whole people so that we can be a blessing to someone else. If someone shows up, and they're down here, and they're saying, you know, pull me up higher where you're at. And we're even lower than them saying, oh man, okay, here we go. Here's the gospel. What we want to do is be healthy and whole people inside and out and be able to say, come up here, come up higher. Look at what it's like to be living a kingdom lifestyle, a reigning life with Jesus from up here. So what we're doing now is a preparation to be healthy and whole that we can impact culture, impact our cities, and impact the people around us in our schools, in our workplaces, when we are whole on the inside and we're overflowing with the love of God and passion for Jesus, that is where ministry happens. That is where wholeness and discipleship happens. And it's not like I'm mustering up and I'm dragging myself, all right, I'll pray for someone. It's like, man, I just got to give away all the fullness that's inside of me. So how do we do that? You start by asking, okay? Jesus said, ask Seek and knock. First thing, I love this prayer. All right? This is the first thing. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. To pray something along the lines of this prayer. Lord, search me thoroughly. Know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. And see if there be, some of your translations would say wicked, but I believe the, the proper translation is hurtful. Is there a hurtful way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting? All right, this is not uh, necessarily fun. People want to avoid this because there, there's some work involved here, all right? You have to be okay and humble enough to say, Lord, show me where you want me to thrive and flourish. What are the dead things in my life? Jesus talked about pruning so you could bear more fruit. What are the things that are thorny, that are not exciting, that are hurtful to other people, that are hurtful to my family? What are the emotions that I carry or the responses that I have or the baggage from my past that is keeping me from the, the everlasting way, from living a full, whole, a full and whole life? So you have to be humble to come into this process, all right? This is... 
this is radically where, where it starts. In John 15, it says, apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. So going on a journey of willpower, and I'm going to fix myself, and I'm going to get my stuff ready, and I'm going to get my stuff in order, is not the way to go. That's the way to frustration, burnout, and hopelessness, all right? If we could do it on our own, we wouldn't have needed Jesus, all right? The point of Jesus is that he leads us into a place where he says, my grace and the power and my Holy Spirit is going to lead you to live a victorious whole life in every area of your life that you can reign as a king reigns. Reign as a king reigns over your marriage, over your own self, to reign over your emotions so you are not afflicted by your own self. I hate to break the news to you, but I have found over the past eight years of my Christian journey that the devil is not my biggest problem. Typically, I'm my biggest problem. <laughs> I get in my way and the way of the Holy Spirit a whole lot. And that's why Paul wakes up every day and says, I die daily. Daily do I die to myself. That's why Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my follower, he must deny what? The devil? No. You must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. What he's saying is, deny this soulish emotional realm where I don't feel like it and I'm led by how I'm feeling today or I'm led by what has annoyed me and that then rules my day all day. I'm annoyed and stressed and aggravated and agitated. Can you tell I'm speaking from experience? Okay. This is, this is what he's talking about. Deny yourself. Deny that stuff. Die to you. Paul said, it's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And so when you'll surrender and when you'll come and say, search me, show me this stuff, I'm humbling myself, it launches us into the fullness that God has. And it's the real gospel. The reason people are annoyed and don't really want anything to do with Jesus or Christianity is because they've been sold a bill of goods that's not really the gospel. They've been, most people have been sold religion. And religion is annoying, and nobody wants religion, and it sounds good at first. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll be a good person. Yeah, I'll, I'll do these things. That's right. And eventually, you're like, man, I can't do this. This is really frustrating, annoying. I'm burnt out. I feel the same, and I'm just kind of faking and doing a bunch of rituals or a bunch of tasks to make me feel good about myself when Jesus said you're actually supposed to die to yourself. It's not about you doing a bunch of stuff. It's about letting me live in you and work through you. Are you guys, are you guys following me, all right? We, I, I'm sick of religion, and I'm sick of trying to do a bunch of stuff. I want the tangible experience of God. If this book is real, if this is true, we have not even begun to scratch the surface. If you believe even half of what's in here, then you look at where we're living, and you would say, oh my goodness, there must be more. I cannot be satisfied with the Christian life that I have now. What we've had is amazing. It's awesome. We've all had great encounters and experience. But it would be, certainly be depressing if what we've experienced, this would just be a tease. If you read through that and what we've had is all of it, you'd say, wow, looks like God's greatest hits happened thousands of years ago. If this is even remotely true, there is so much more to your experience with God, to the fullness of his love, to the power of God working in us and through us, that is what I'm stirred with, that there is something more than what we've experienced thus far. So recognize and acknowledge, okay? Here's, here's part of this humility that's going to take place, all right? To experience this 
more that God has. We're trying to get ourselves out of the way to be laid down and out of the way so Holy Spirit can just absolutely rock us and change our lives and change our families and our situations. So the first thing you have to do is humble yourself and say, God, (laughs) there is stuff in me that is not of you. When I read your word, it doesn't look like me. Come, I surrender. I'm laying it down and I'm asking you supernaturally, come through me, live through me, help me to die to my own selfish ways and my own selfish emotions and let's get on with the victorious kingdom life that he promised. You do not have to be stuck if you do not want to. That is the point that he was trying to make to the guy at the pool. Do you want to get well? You, he had the choice to say, yeah, I do. I'm ready to go after this, whatever it takes. Just tell me what to do, Jesus, and I would be made whole. But what did he end up doing? He had a laundry list of everything that would be the reason why he couldn't be made whole and well. And if we went around the room and interviewed all of us, we'd all have a reason, probably way more so than mine, of why we couldn't be made whole and why this is unrealistic and what's holding us back and what's stopping us from this. At some point, we just have to come to the grips and say, no matter what, I am pushing forward and I'm going to have all that Jesus paid for because I want to be made well and be made whole regardless of anything else. So in a minute, we're going to pray and we're just going to, we're going to release that stuff. I'm not saying that what has happened to us or what we're going through is insignificant or it's not real. I have some, some things that happened in my life that are unjust, they're wrong, but at the end of the day, I live in a fallen world and if I stay bound to the past of everything that's happened to me and everything that's going on, then the fullness of what he has over here is never going to take place. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get to heaven and you know, there's, um, you know, there's that scripture that says he'll wipe away every tear from our eye. And I always heard it said that, uh, you know, that's just from all the pain and heartache that we faced on earth and God will wipe your tears away and then you'll be in heaven. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit kind of whisper to me, what, it, what I'm wiping tears away is that you're going to get a glimpse of what the life with Jesus could have been like or the fullness of what was available. And for a moment, we're going to shed a tear and say, oh my goodness, I missed it. If I could only go back. And then he'll wipe that away and we'll be in glory. I would love to get there and not have to shed a tear and be able to say, man, I laid it all down. I went for it. It wasn't about sports. It wasn't about the Cubs. It wasn't about my 401k. It wasn't about my education. It wasn't about any of this. It was that I was a radical laid down lover for Jesus. And I was willing to open myself up and say, live in me, live through me. There's nothing greater. We will have no regrets if we get there and say, Jesus, I I left it all on the table for you. I was all in. And I put it on the table and said, it is worth it because the light of eternity, all of those other things are going to seem like dismal, fade away, fade away. And there we are face to face with the king that we sang about. And I don't want to shed a tear for the, the times that I've missed. Today is the day that we can radically start, make, make a declaration today, I'm going to go for it. Okay. So I got two, two little quotes that, that struck me over the weekend, and then, um, and then we're going to go forward and pray. First off, um, if you want the benefit, you have to go through the procedure, all right? If you want to experience the benefit of what we're talking about here, 
There is a procedure that happens, all right? I wish there wasn't, I wish that when I pray in the past for patience, that I all of a sudden didn't end up in twice as many uh, traffic jams as I did before, and everyone seems to annoy me twice as much. And I'm like, God, I've been asking for patience. Aren't you supposed to just make all this stuff go away or just zap me on my couch? I'm going to be the most patient person. I'm sorry to break it to you that, at least in my experience, what happens is that he, he invites you into a process where you co-labor with him and say, all right, we're going to work out patience through you, through life, where in the midst of those traffic jams and in the midst of everyone annoying you, that if you partner with me, we will mold and shape your internal life that if you're walking and living by the Spirit, just like Jesus didn't get annoyed with folks who were running up and kind of all over him all the time, just like he didn't get bothered and annoyed, you can walk in that same victory, but it's a process. There's a procedure that happens. Are you tracking with me? So we can come up, we can pray, we're going to lay hands on people and believe that God can supernaturally do some things, but at the same time, my experience shows that he walks through life with us in what you're praying for. He invites you in the, the opportunity to say, all right, let's, let's go after that then. You want to be patient? You want to be patient with your wife? You want to be patient with your husband, patient with your coworkers? Great. Well, let surrender that to me. Let's walk with the Holy Spirit. And you have then the choice to live by the Spirit, which is life and peace, or flesh, which is what we've probably experienced when all these things come up most of the time, when we're annoyed and ticked, okay? All right, we're going to close in prayer. Here's, here's the last scripture I want to show us, all right? It's what I want to end with. Okay. I read a book called God's Generals, and it was an awesome book of all the miracles that God had done through some of these mighty men and women of God. And so I got my phone out and I started Googling all the people to see, like, well, how, you know, what happened? Are these, some of these people still alive? I didn't know. And I realized that a lot of these people, even though they had seen thousands come to Jesus, miracles, healings, people raised from the dead, a lot of them didn't finish the race well. A lot of people in the end fell into different types of, of issues or f not fully fell away in the faith but got into financial troubles or sexual morality type things. And I'm just scratching my head saying, these, these are the generals. These are the people that, you know, that have paved the way for revival and things to happen. And there's two things I took away from that. One is that regardless of what happened or what was going on in people's lives, God still used them and revival broke out and things happened. So if, if these people can be used, if, if everyone in the hall of faith, I mean, if you go through there, some of those people aren't even that holy of people in the hall of faith in, in Hebrews 11, then all of us have the opportunity to be invited into a process of the supernatural life. And the second thing I took away is that I believe what we're talking about here, this internal life, this getting healed up and holed up from the inside is what leads to finishing the race well. And this is what leads to longevity. This is what leads to, as there's more power, more authority granted as you begin to reign over these things, if your internal life is not, is not secured and safe and, and totally consumed by God, it's very easy to fall into all sorts of other things and all sorts of other paths and avenues. So here's the last scripture, all right? This is Paul, who wrote three quarters of the New Testament, all right? First thing he did is he humbled himself. 
I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal of the prize for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Forgetting what is behind me, forgetting what is in the past, forgetting what has hurt you and harmed you or rubbed you the wrong way, and saying, man, it's not worth it. The prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus is so much bigger and so much more worth it than wallowing in my own stuff and staying bound in the past. So we're going to take a minute and we're going to pray. And if the, the worship team wants to head back up. And, and I really felt as I was praying to the Lord, uh, three, three types of people to, to pray for this morning. We're talking about being made whole that receiving true salvation is being made whole, spirit, soul, and body, okay? And those are going to be our three camps, all right? In a minute, I'm going to call you forward. If you would like to receive prayer for your body, okay, that part of the gift of salvation, part of what Jesus paid for, it says he, and bore, he bore on the cross our infirmities and sicknesses and diseases, so if I told you that Jesus was up here waiting to touch your body and to heal you physically or to heal you emotionally or to heal maybe something going on in your mind, emotional health, and I said, he's waiting here, which he is, I would say, and he says, do you want to be made well in your body? I'm going to ask you to come forward and come, come over here as, once we pray, okay? Body wholeness over here, all right? The other one we talked about, is your, well, we didn't really talk about it, but your spirit, that you'd be made whole, spirit, soul, and body. I want to take one minute and tell you the greatest thing as a Christian that radically changed my pursuit of God, my hunger for God, the power of God, was receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit on my life, was asking for the Holy Spirit to come fill me afresh like he did in Acts 2. It says in the last days he poured out his spirit on all flesh and that sons and daughters would prophesy and dreams would be dreamed. So if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit or never been touched by the Holy Spirit or have never been filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit, then I would love to invite you to come over to this side. So this is the spirit side over here, okay? So if you need a touch from the Spirit, if you'd like to experience the Holy Spirit, then I'd like you to come over here, all right? And lastly, and I, I think um, right here in, in the center, up this line, I want, I want to pray for and ask people to come that if this touched you, if there's something in your soul, if there's something in your mind and will and emotions that need to be let go, that like Paul, you'd say, forgetting what is in the past, forgetting what is behind me, and you need to press on and press forward and let some things go, then I'm going to ask you to come here, okay? So, body, okay? Receiving wholeness of your body, receiving wholeness of your spirit, or receiving a touch from the Holy Spirit over here, and wholeness of your soul, wholeness of healing the internal life that's going on. We're going to, uh, we're going to have you come here. And here's what, I, here's what I want to say. Maybe none of this applies to you. Maybe you're like, I'm not coming forward no matter what happens or what anybody says. That's totally cool, all right? You're, nothing, nothing super magical, super duper happens, okay? God can touch you in your seat. I fully believe you can sit and pray. But I would ask you that it's not a spectator sport, okay? 
the, the body of Christ, every part of my body helps out the other, the other parts of the body. It would be really awkward if my one leg said, you know, I'm just not going to do what the rest of the body is going to do, and I'm trying to walk this way, and my leg says, no, I'm staying put, all right? So even if you don't want to come forward, I'd ask that you would at least pray for those who are. That means God's touching them. God's moving. And so just sitting and, and trying to be a spectator is not really helping anybody, neither you nor them. But praying and asking God, would you move? Would you open up? There's something that when we come in one accord and we ask God to touch people, that something happens. So we're, um, I believe we're going to also close out the meeting. If you need to go, I would understand that. Um, and so we're going to pray. And then I'm going to ask you to come forward. And as people are coming forward, if you need to slip out, you are more than welcome to slip out. I just heard the Lord say this. For those people who are in the soul, if you feel like this, I heard the Lord say this. Um, I feel like he wants to set people free in the soul realm from condemnation. We were talking about this in our Kickstart class this morning. And what condemnation is, is when you're constantly beating yourself up. Yeah or you're constantly looking at your failures or the things that you don't do, or you constantly feel like you're not enough. That's a soul healing that God wants to do. And I, I, this is what I actually, I heard the Holy Spirit say this this morning. He said this to me, um, when you beat yourself up, you nullify what I did on the cross. When we beat ourselves up, we're actually nullifying what Christ did on the cross because what he did made a way that we are perfect and whole before him in love. We are perfectly accepted. And our failures are things that, that the word of God promises God will use them only to further catapult us into his purposes, which is Joshua Brannock's testimony we heard about this morning. God uses everything in our lives to conform us more to his image. So we can't ever ultimately blow it. We can't ever let God down. When our hearts are for him, he will take everything in our lives, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and he'll use it to mold us into the image of his son and to bring us to a place of prosperity of soul. So I just want to say, if you struggle with condemnation, I would like to pray for you in the soul aisle right here, and I believe God wants to release you from that. So I'm going to let Brandon pray. We're going to officially dismiss if you need to go, but um, for those of you who want to come forward, please don't miss what God has you. My life has been changed a number of times coming forward for prayers in meetings just like this. Yeah. To just go with what Diana's saying, in Hebrews 10 it, said, it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. That's awesome. That as you come forward, that you can come in, in assurance of faith and have your heart sprinkled from a guilty conscience. Guilt and condemnation is from the pit of hell. There is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. So if we could real quick, with if we could just close our eyes and pray. All right. And here's the first and foremost thing. The first and foremost thing that cleanses your heart from a guilty conscience is knowing that you know that you know that you are saved, that you are a Christian, that Jesus died for you. And so I'm just going gonna, gonna to ask also that if you are not sure of that, that is the first and foremost person I would like to pray for, that you would come forward and just talk with me for a minute or two. All of this means nothing if you don't know for sure that you are a born-again believer. Father, 
Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your word, which will not return void. We thank you, God, that you are the author and finisher of our faith, that you are the one that works the miracles. You are the one who touches our bodies. You are the one who heals our souls. You are the one who gives the gift from the Father and baptizes us with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It is all about you, Jesus. You are the one who paid the ultimate price that hung and died and resurrected, that we have the freedom and the ability to walk in this life we're talking about now. And Holy Spirit, I ask, breathe on your people. And I'm asking right now for the courage for you to come forward. If something has touched you, if God has spoken to you, then I'd ask you to start making your way forward to one of the three lines that we talked about.